This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel reverses course on IDF and Bluster. And Xeon Phi and OmniPath make cloud debut. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, this week in HPC, we got a lot of news from Intel, some things that they're plunging into and some things that they're backing away from. Why don't we talk about some of the things they're backing away from first, all right? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll give them the bad news, and then we'll... uh... Come back for dessert after that. Exactly. So starting with uh, IDF, this is interesting. This is a a conference uh, you and I have both been to many times before. The Intel Developer Forum has been a a staple on the summer calendar every year in San Francisco. And Intel all of a sudden announced that uh, they're done. They're done with IDF. They're not doing it this year. And uh, and, uh, that's going to be an interesting transition. Now, there hasn't been a lot of HPC at this conference in recent years, but it was still an interesting conference, and uh, we're not going to have it anymore. Yeah, I mean, this this show's been going on for 20-odd years, and it's it has basically included everything but the kitchen sink that Intel's been doing in there in, in various capacities, and it's it's sort of been a, uh, a staple for the Intel faithful to come to. It's different communities that have come together, but uh, it seems like sort of the rationale or that they didn't go into it in great detail. The rationale was that they wanted to do more specific conferences around their different product sets and technologies rather than combine them all into one big show. Uh, it appears like it didn't make sense for them to do that anymore since uh, they've, they've actually diversified quite a bit over the last few years and gotten, uh, gotten their hands into a lot of different uh areas that they hadn't been into before. Yeah, I can buy into that as a strategy. For example, you were pointing out that Intel just had a major AI day recently. And right. You can bring in people just to do AI, or you could look at just analytics or just stuff on the PC side. There's a lot. Uh, you know, Intel is in so many different areas of the market that they really can have more focused conferences. It gets more and more difficult to have a single developer forum that that appeals to everybody. But the the challenge with this, I think, is mostly just in optics. You know, what does it look like? Because they're they're canceling IDF and they didn't have a lot of strong messaging around what are the alternate things. You know, here's this website developers can go to for more information. They right. looked a looked a little weak. You know, you could have talked up your AI or your presence in a lot of these other areas, especially since we're we're about to go into the GPU technology conference where AI is huge. And just if you compare what it looks like, you see NVIDIA ramping up GTC while Intel is backing uh, backing off from IDF. Yeah, and I, I think that indicates that Intel uh, is not quite sure how it's how it's going to set up its events going forward. I mean, it it backed away from this rather late in the game. I mean, IDF was coming up in August. It's already... Uh, it's already almost May here, um, and and as late as a as a few weeks ago, they were still talking about IDF. They were talking about actually canceling the Chinese version of the show, but just tweaking the um, the one in San Francisco. And then a couple of weeks later, they come out with this. So I have a feeling they're it's sort of in process as far as what they're going to do with the rest of the events, um, and that's probably some of the some of the information that's missing. But um, we'll probably find out soon enough. I mean, I think with uh, you know, certainly with GTC coming up, 
uh, that'll sort of focus their attention on what they want to do on on that side. I think, you know, you mentioned the AI day that they recently did, not recently, but last uh, November, right at the end of supercomputing. I think they'll keep that show and actually expand it. That's a big focus for Intel now. That that I have a feeling will turn into a multi-day event, especially with uh, their new products coming along from uh, Xeon Phi and some of the Nirvana technology that they bought. Um, I'm assuming that that will be a big focus for them. And I think they'll keep their HPC focus in, in the two big uh, current events uh, or the current events that are already there in SC and, and ISC. I don't think they're going to make a separate Intel version of that. And maybe they'll come up with some other other events that they'll invent around maybe the, uh, the PC and client market and, and maybe some others. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I agree that overall this is probably strategically the right thing. I, I, you know, be able to specialize these different developer areas. I, I strategically fine. I just think they could have messaged it a little better. Maybe they didn't realize what big news this was going to become, especially coupled with a separate in developer-related bit of Intel news that you know there was an email that went around from uh, Trish Damkroger, whose uh, new title at Intel is Vice President and General Manager for Technical Computing Initiatives. And the announcement here is that Intel is backing away from Intel Enterprise Edition Luster, and they're going to push that development back out to the open source community going forward. Yeah, that was an interesting move. And in a sense, that that's sort of bad optics, too, in the same way they announced backing off of IDF. Uh, backing off of Luster as well, but I think uh, these decisions really didn't didn't have anything to do with each other. It's just they decided to push them out. Yeah, bad yeah, timing. During the, during the same week, um, you know, and and again, this one makes plenty of sense to me. I was almost confused about Intel's commitment and and business strategy around Luster. I mean, they basically forked uh, Luster coming up with their own Intel version. Um, and they, they kept this going for five years, but they didn't have any uh, particular rationale related to the rest of their business, which, you know, was basically chips and other componentry to go around that. So it's not surprising that this never took off. And uh, I, I couldn't even understand why it went on for this long and to go back and say, OK, we're just going to support the mainline luster and, and support that community makes sense. I just don't know why it took them this long to do it. Yeah, Intel's relationship with Luster has been a little bit strange throughout. Uh, when they first acquired WhamCloud, uh, we theorized that a big reason or motivation behind that acquisition was that Intel could position itself better for the pre-exascale and exascale bids in order to be a prime vendor, show that they were on top of all the different exascale necessary technologies. And if that was part of their goal, you'd have to say it was successful. There's Intel taking the lead on one of the major pre-exascale systems, and I think well-positioned heading into exascale. But to make Luster a broader business strategy, they needed to get more commercial adoption of paid Luster licensing, and that was what was behind Intel Enterprise Edition Luster. Our surveys would indicate that commercial markets still haven't picked up very much in, in the way of parallel file systems in general, and that Spectrum Scale, or GPFS, from IBM is still 
uh, out shipping or, or out installing luster among high performance areas. So here's Intel now backing away from Intel Enterprise Edition luster as a separate business strategy and, and just saying, all right, we the community can take care of this after all. Intel doesn't need a, a separate luster distro. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing it didn't actually help the luster community to have two different versions of luster going on uh, in relation to, to GPFS, which just, you know, was a monolithic system and was an easier decision. I think that added a little bit of confusion, a little bit of confusion to the community as well. So uh, I, I think what they're doing now will actually help in a, in a sense that they were, might have been shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Um, but going forward, uh, it looks like everything will sort of go back on track now basically to the way it was, you know, five years ago there were, where there was just sort of this uh, uh, a more uh, cohesive system and one basically one luster software package that, that everybody's going to be drawing from now. Yeah, a couple of last points of insight here. You know, one is that I think this Intel luster strategy would have made a lot more sense uh, cohesively if Intel had acquired a, a storage company at some point on the storage hardware side. Whether they tried to or not, it never materialized. I don't know if they did try to or not, but uh, without a without an actual storage company on board, I, I don't see this being a long-term play. The other part of it is now what's going to come of Brent Gorda. I think a lot of the history of Luster has been deeply entwined with the personalities involved. And Brent, uh, yeah. coming from the WAM Cloud side, was a major player here and is apparently from the uh, Intel email, is going to be transitioning out of Intel. So we'll watch with great interest to see what the next step in Brent's career is. Yeah, you bet. I'm, I'm guessing he'll land somewhere in, in some organization that has something to do with Lustre or parallel file systems, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, well, we've been talking about things that Intel has been backing away from. Let's talk about a forward-going Intel initiative because, really, the, the bread and butter on Intel for HPC is in Intel Xeon Phi and OmniPath. And we've talked in the past about some of the other high-performance technologies and where they sit with respect to high-performance clouds. Now Intel has an initiative setting up Xeon Phi and OmniPath in cloud environments. So yeah, basically these uh, these Nightland and Omnipath componentry is going into uh, a cloud infrastructure hosted by our systems. They basically provide uh, the hardware side of the cloud, and on top of this, his uh, involvement is Rescale, which provides the cloud management layer. They have something called ScaleX, which is uh, the the workload management, basically the cloud OS on top of this, and the the Xeon Phi and Omnipath componentry will now be available in this cloud system. They're not saying how how big a cloud this is or how many Xeon Phi's is going on, but enough for people to sort of kick the tires and, and figure out what's going on. And kicking the tires is probably the the way to go here. They're giving four free weeks if you start out with this of uh, of free service, and then you have to start paying after that. But uh, for people who are, who are wondering or maybe deciding if they want to use Xeon Phi's and OmniPath rather than GPUs and Mellanox and Finiband, this might be a way to to sort of uh, prod the community and get people interested. Yeah, they've sort of put together a try-before-you-buy methodology, which is one of the things that the cloud or utility computing in general can be good for if you want to test out a new architecture. And in your article on top500.org, you actually pointed to 
an in-depth article written by Tiffany Trader on HPC Wire where she got actually some of the pricing involved for once you move beyond those initial four weeks. So yeah, basically she found out you could basically buy a Xeon Phi processor for basically $2 per hour. So however many you want to buy, uh, that'll be the price after the four-week uh, free access period is over, which I think is going to be pretty comparable to what you get on a GPU. Now, of course, GPUs are, are a little more prevalent in the clouds than than the Knight's Landing Xeon Phi's. You can basically get them in, in Google Cloud now. I think uh, Baidu just announced they would have them available. IBM has them Um so you can you can get them sort of freely, and here now with Omni or with uh, the Xeon Phi coming online, now you can sort of do some a little comparison shopping. Well, that's the point. It doesn't have to be totally prevalent, just so you have the option out there. That's the big thing with the end user community that people need to test these different architectures against their own codes, their own workloads, because as we've repeated many times out of our research and over the course of the past year, that the majority, the vast majority of HPC users are, are coping with how do they choose which architectures are going to best suit their application workloads over the coming year. So the idea of being able to try out a Xeon Phi and OmniPath environment without committing to purchasing one yet, uh, have the, me- the methodology for, uh, for coding, for optimizing, parallelizing over that space, uh, that was a, an important thing that was missing in utility environments that Intel has now uh, patched that hole. Yeah, I think another important piece of this is they're trying, Intel especially is trying to get developers to port more codes to uh, to the Xeon Phi and, and the OmniPath Interconnect for that matter. So this could bring some developers in, you know, ISVs and other commercial entities to, to start to look at that and maybe to play around and uh, get some more get some more of the ecosystem uh, surrounding the Xeon Fives that, uh, so they compete more effectively against uh, the more extensive GPU software environment. All right, Michael, a good all Intel edition of This Week in HPC. <laughs> I appreciate it. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.